0: It's an interesting book, and it deals with end times, and I know people are interested in that, so we'll handle that on Sunday night uh, rather than Wednesday night. So on Wednesday night, we're going we're gonna to start through the book of Psalms, and, uh, and I'm not saying we'll get all the way through it. Uh, the, you never know, the Lord might come, all right? Uh, it is a long book, and it has 150 chapters and, uh, and there, it's a wonderful book, but I thought this of the book of Psalms, I thought it's really appropriate for Wednesday night because really it deals with praise, um, problems, and prayer. And, uh, and so those are really addressed throughout the book of, of Psalms. And, uh, and so I, I think it'll be a wonderful book for us to start in. And, uh, and we might go for a little bit and then we might take a break and come back to it a little bit later, but we'll... Uh, look at it in Psalm chapter number 1 I love this psalm the Bible says there in Psalm 1 in verse 1 blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And let's, uh, let's pray this evening before we get started. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to gather here on a Wednesday night, Father, and look into your word and really study the idea of of praise and prayer and uh, and even see some of the problems that some people went through in their lives. And, Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that each and every heart would be blessed and encouraged tonight. And, Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, it is a very encouraging psalm. It's a very positive psalm, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the starting out uh, portion there, blessed is the man. And so he wants to give us the idea uh, of, hey, you can be blessed. And, uh, and I, put the, I put the title down, your blessed life. Your blessed life. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, your best life? Uh, and you know what? You can have your absolute best life, but if it's not with God, it's not a blessed life, and it's not the best life. Say that five times fast. A new tongue twister for you. So I want us to look at your blessed life, not your, which would be your best life as well, all right? Uh, as long as you got God there, and, uh, and as long as he is... A part of your life and you're following him that will be your absolute best life and uh, you know there's so many self-help books and there's all these things out there that people want to and I tell you what if you want to make a million dollars I'll tell you how to do it right now right right you listen I heard a preacher I was reminded today I said the preacher you say are you listening and Then he'd say are you listening real good all right I'll tell you how to make a million dollars go out and write a self-help book I mean Uh, one that's not already written okay Um, and 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 I'm telling you people will all buy it all right there's your free advice Uh, if you don't make a million dollars I'm sorry uh, work on your writing skills or maybe find a better topic I don't know But it seems like there are um, self-help books popping up everywhere. And it seems like, you know, you can overcome this and you can do this better and and all of this help. Can I tell you what the absolute best self-help book is that exists? It's right here. You're holding it in your hand. You have it in your lap. Uh, This is the best self-help book that you can refer to. Now, I'm not saying there's no value to any of those things. There's value in some of those things, but I'm just saying that the absolute best help that you can get is from the Word of God. And he says here, blessed is the man, Uh, and so I want to look at this idea of your blessed life. And I want you to notice first and foremost in the first verse, his awareness. Uh, His awareness, look at what it says there. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His awareness of wickedness and his awareness of evil and his awareness of sin uh, and what it will do to to his life is very evident here. And uh, and he gives us three things, and so I've labeled them, uh, and I've even alliterated them to help you out, all right? And so the first thing he says here, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And I put down there, he's not listening to worldly advice. He's aware that, hey, worldly advice is going to be a problem for him. And so this man that wants to live his blessed life is very aware that listening to ungodly counsel... Ungodly counsel would be, hey, from anybody that's, uh, that, that is not saved and not walking with God, uh, and, and their whole mentality is, uh, you know, very worldly. Uh, much, of the, much of the counselors, much of the advice, much of the schooling and education today of higher education, it starts with a wrong foundation in that they believe in evolution. They believe that God doesn't exist. They believe that this and that. And they are cutting God out of all of that. And I'll just tell you right now that, listen, you'll not go anywhere in life uh, as far as being prosperous or being blessed by God, I should say, uh, in God's eyes uh, without following God's word. And so these people who have a bad foundation are without a doubt going to steer you in a wrong direction. Um, and that's, there is so much of the ungodly uh, counsel that is just portrayed and put out. And, and listen, it, it all, many times it sounds really good. Uh, one of the things that, that I'll just flat out warn you about is just worldly psychologists. The whole idea of psychology is the study of man and science and understanding. Uh, The mind and now there's some good Christian psychologists and they know far more than I do. I'm not saying there's nothing there, but I am saying you better be really careful of worldly psychologists. Somebody who's not saved, somebody who does not believe the Bible and the advice that they're going to give you is going to go contrary to the word of God most of the time. And so I'm just saying, you better be careful. This man that's blessed, he recognizes, and the Bible says, he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Not only be careful of your counselors, but listen, this is pertinent, and this is something that we ought to be concerned about, is the education today. Um, I mean, they are, uh, you look at what's going on in schools, and, and people, you know, they threw a fit back in the 60s when they kicked God and prayer out of schools, and, and it has gotten worse, and now they've, they're, they're, they're pushing uh, evolution, and they're pushing atheism, and they're pushing, you know, you are your own person, and you can build yourself better, and, and all of this, I, I mean, and it goes all the way to gender, and the whole confusion of the gender. You know why they're talking about all of that? Because they've gotten rid of God. If you know who God is, and you know that God created in the beginning, God created everything that exists, and the Bible says uh, He created male and female, then you would know, hey, this goes completely contrary to the Word of God. And that's what they're pushing for. And so I'm just telling you, we ought to be very careful and very concerned about the education that is being, the indoctrination that's being done under the guise of education. And so that takes place. He says, the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, there's another area we have to be careful of. And that uh, that is really movies and entertainment. There is so much philosophy. I mean, I... I can't tell you how many times I watch kids' movies because they're clean usually um, and, and there's, there's less garbage, but there's still garbage. Um, I can't tell you how many times you hear the phrase, follow your own heart, your heart will lead you. That's contrary to the Bible. The Bible says that, that you, uh, the, the man's heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so I'm just telling you, even in movies, even in entertainment, even in many of the innocent things, we just have to be very aware that the world's philosophy is out there and that they are pushing it constantly. And the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so he's not going to listen uh, to that counsel. He's not going to be intrigued by it and say, you know, yeah. They might have a point there, or that sounds reasonable. He's going to recognize that's ungodly counsel, and it's going to go against Scripture. And so uh, he's, very, he's aware of that. He's, he's listening. Uh, he's aware that listening to ungodly counsel will be bad. Not only that, but look at what it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And I put down there, it starts off listening. Oh, that's intriguing. Oh, that's interesting. And then the next thing uh, is, is standing in the way of sinners. In other words, you're kind of there with them, and you're looking, and you're observing. And, and you're saying, well, you know, it you know, it doesn't look that bad. It all looks kind of innocent. It all looks like it's not too bad. And, and I mean, after all, there's no lightning striking out of the sky, and they're not dying, and it looks like they're, uh, they're doing okay, and, and things aren't that bad, and so it's really not that bad. And pretty soon, they're justifying. Listen, the blessed man is going to be aware that listening to ungodly counsel is bad. The blessed man is going to be aware that looking and hanging around with those people is going to cause him problems down the road. We just have to be very careful. Uh, We have to be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, We're not going to open a compound and and build a building and have everyone move here and, and create our own environment. We're not doing that. Uh, I don't believe God would have people to do that. I believe God would have us to be a light in the world. So there's a balance there, but we need to be careful that we're not looking and saying, well, that does intrigue me, and look, that doesn't look so bad. And, and you, you know, you can justify a lot of things in your mind. You can look at it and say, oh, that that's not too bad. That doesn't seem like it's bad. And you can rationalize all of that and say, well, you know, that might be okay. And I'm just telling you, it is a dangerous place to be because the blessed man, he doesn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. He's not looking and standing with those people and saying, well, I'm going to hang out with these guys and kind of see where it goes uh, and, and how it ends up. Look at the last one. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It starts with listening and then it goes to looking and the next thing you know, he's living it. He's sitting in the seat of the scornful. I thought of this example. You could really, you could plug in about any sin that you want to, but it starts off like this. We'll just take drinking, for example. Um, we'll just take this, this idea. And all of a sudden, the guy says, oh, you know, it's not that bad. And, and they're counseling you. Oh, man, it really, uh, they'll tell you something that it'll do this or do that. And, and, and pretty soon, you're listening to their counsel. And you're saying, well, man, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's not so wrong. Maybe it's, it's really okay. And then the next thing you know, you know you're hanging out with them and you're looking and you're watching them and, and they're all drinking and you're saying, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not drinking. I, I'm just here with them and, and I'm not drinking. And, uh, and you're just kind of looking and you are realizing, well, look, they're, you know, they're okay and, and it doesn't seem that bad with them. And, and the next thing you know, then you're the one that's drinking. And you could plug in any sin that you want to. I'm just telling you, that's the way it goes. If you listen to their ungodly counsel, and then you fall in that path, and you start uh, watching and observing and thinking, well, it's really not that bad. It's okay. And, and, uh, and then you end up living that. You know, a great example of that in Scripture is, is that of Lot. And uh, we won't go there for sake of time, and I won't retell you the story, but if you go back and read in Genesis, I believe it's around 13 or 12, it starts to happen, and, and the Bible says that Lot uh, pitches his tent towards Sodom. He's just looking at it. I don't know, probably somebody twisted his ear and said, man, that... That Sodom, that city's really growing and it's really doing good. And, and he started listening to ungodly counsel and then he pitched his tent so that he could look at, at Sodom and say, mm, Yeah, it does. Boy, they are looking like they're prospering. And, and pretty soon, you, you know, the next thing you know, Lot is living in Sodom. How did it turn out for Lot? He lost his kids, he lost his grandkids, he lost his wife, he lost his home, he lost a lot. And the two daughters that did come out with him were so messed up and so, uh, so wicked that, that it created nations that just were totally uh, a thorn in the flesh to Israel. They were perverse, wicked nations that came uh, from Lot's heritage. And I'm just telling you, it started out because he was not aware of the effects of sin. And a blessed man, the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He's aware of the effects of sin. He's aware of how dangerous it is to get involved in those things. Look in verse number 2. The Bible says, and I love this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. I won't spend a lot of time here because I've spent time here before. But I want you to notice He's aware of sin, but His attention is diverted to the Word of God. And it says uh, the, His delight is the law of the Lord. Man, the, 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 the Word of God ought to be a delight for us. You know, most kids... I have some strange kids sometimes. I tell them that too. I'm like, I'm about that close kicking you out of my family because you don't like ice cream. You don't like chocolate. I don't know what's wrong with my kids. But most kids like ice cream. You know, you, get, you offer a kid ice cream, and they're like, yeah, I want ice cream. I mean, they're not going to, they, if you offer it to them, matter of fact, they won't leave you alone for the next three hours until you get them ice cream. I learned that growing up, as, uh, parenting rather, when my kids were little. Don't mention it until you're there. I mean, uh, because if you get a flat tire or something else comes up or you get a call and you get distracted, man, them kids are going to be pulling on you and, and dragging you and, and, until you finally get them ice cream. And, and, and why? Because, man, it is a delight, it's like a treat. It is something that they love. It is something, uh, you know, you might have to force them to eat their broccoli and green beans and all of those other things, but you put a bowl of ice cream down and most of them kids, man, no problem. They'll scoop it up. They will eat it. They will devour it. They delight in it. The Bible says that the blessed man, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, how we ought to delight. In the Word of God. Oh, how we ought to take pleasure. Oh, how we ought to love the Word of God. And say, Man, I I just want to get a little bit more of it. I just want want to have that time. Not only that does he delight in it, but look at what it says, the second phrase, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Not just is it a delight, but he dwells in the Word of God. You know, I, I love ice cream, and I love chocolate. And it's a highlight of my day. I don't eat, I don't eat it every day. I wish I could. But you know what? When I get me a piece, I go home sometimes from work, and I'm like, man, I just need a piece of chocolate. Just get that chocolate. You stick it in your mouth, and man, it's just, it's a delight. It's like, that made my day so much better. Man, I'm good to go now. But the word of God ought to be a delight for us, Yes. But it should be something that we can dwell in. Something that more than just highlights a day. It ought to consume our thoughts. The Bible here says, Blessed is the man that uh, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He's saying, And I want to know what the Word of God says. I want to understand that. Sometimes it is so good. I'll I'll confess to you, I memorized this passage, Psalm 1, all of it. When I was a kid, I remember my dad making me memorize it. And it's just been stuck in my mind ever since. And and it is so good to memorize Scripture because it comes back to you. And you're like, I wonder if that's what that means. I wonder if that's where that applies. I wonder if that's how that fits in and taking the Word of God and, and just looking at a verse. You know, sometimes we read, and we just read to check the box off. We just read to get through our list. We just read to get through. But sometimes you need to stop, and you just need to meditate on the Word of God and go back and reread it. A lot of times, um, my wife came across this in Italy, I don't, or maybe it was Peru, I don't remember, a scripture writing, and, and started doing it with some of the ladies. And, and I've found that when I'm studying, a lot of times, Man, I'll just take that passage, I'll take a pen, and I just write it out. You know what that helps me do? It helps me look at every word. It helps me stop and contemplate. What does this mean? What is it trying to say to me? And I'll think about it later, and I'll take that passage, and, I, and, I, and, and I'll be, maybe I'll be driving down the road, and I'll be thinking about that verse. Maybe I'll be out on a walk, and I'll be thinking about that verse meditating upon it, dwelling upon it, and saying, I I want to understand the Word of God. This man that's blessed, he's aware of the dangers of sin and the ungodliness and all that goes with that, but his attention is completely absorbed in the Word of God. Look with me in verse number 3. His award in verse number 3. I love this. The Bible says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper his award. Uh, Look at there. I want you to notice in that verse, this is what he shall be. This is what he is going to become. It is a future tense looking forward. And it says, he shall be uh, like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Never forget that idea of planted is purposeful. In other words, you know, when you plant something, you know, the reason I don't have a garden in my yard, the reason that I'm, I, I, I'm turning over all the dirt where a flower garden used to be is because I don't have time to mess with it. I don't want to go out there and plant. You don't have to plant them because they come up all oh, year and year and year. But, uh, but, but the whole reason I'm doing that is because I don't have time to mess with it. And, and, but if you have a garden, you know what? Uh, You have to go out there with the seed, you have to turn over that dirt, and you have to put the right spot, put it the right depth of the dirt, and, and place that seed on purpose in that dirt, and then cover it up with the dirt, and then you have to continue to water that thing until it grows. Then you've got to watch out for the bugs, and then you've got to watch out for the weeds, and then you've got to care for it so that it grows up and it becomes strong. And what I'm saying is the idea of it being planted uh, is the fact that it is purposeful. It does not happen by accident. Your spiritual life will never happen by accident. It will never happen. It takes work. It takes turning that dirt over. It takes putting that seed in the ground. It takes covering it up. It takes constantly pulling weeds of wickedness out of our life. It takes constant attention and water so that it will grow. And you've got to pay attention to that to make it grow. And He's saying, listen, because this man is aware of the sin and because this man's attention is focused on the Word of God, hey, he shall be like a tree that is planted. Hey, it was purposeful. Somebody put it there on purpose. Somebody worked with it. And we have to work on our lives to get to that point that it's planted. Uh, And the Bible says there that it's, uh, it's planted by the rivers of water. Listen, it's placed right by a nice watering hole. Those trees that grow up on those riverbanks and by those waters, I man, you don't have to worry about so much about watering them. Maybe a the little bit in the beginning until they get their roots. Boy, they'll get their roots, they get down there, and man, they have got a water supply. It doesn't matter if it doesn't rain. As long as there's water in that river that goes by, they will grow and they will be strong. Listen, you've got to plant yourself by the water source, the Word of God. And make sure that you're close by the word of God because it is the water source that will help your spiritual life grow and develop and it will cause you to be a tree that is strong. We see it's pur- purposely planted. It's placed by water. Look at the next phrase. He says that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. It's a productive tree. You could, I could preach a whole message just on this verse that listen, Listen, we ought to be productive. We ought to be producing. Um, by, oh, how do we do that? We do that by being, having our roots right in the water source, being planted, being purposeful about our Christian life. Then he goes on in the last phrase and he says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I just want to warn us here that we need to be careful that we, we get the idea of prosperity in our mind and we have one idea of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean what... God doesn't necessarily mean that, well, then you'll be rich and you'll have everything that you ever want. God's prosperity is a little bit different. And, and so we need to be careful that we don't have a skewed idea of what prosperity is and, and that we would accept whatever God sends as prosperous. Uh, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's his award for his attention and for his awareness. Look with me in verse number four and five. This is the alternative. Look in verse number four. The ungodly are not so. So in verses one through three, he lays out how to be a blessed man and how to have a blessed life. In verses 4 and 5, he's going to give the alternative because, listen, let's face it, sometimes you just don't appreciate all the goodness of God if you don't compare it uh, to, to something that is bad. Sometimes we, we grow up so, uh, or, or we tend to live such a sheltered life that we don't realize how bad it is in the world. Sometimes We don't realize that. And so he's going to give the alternative to us. He says in verse number four, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Now, what's the chaff? The chaff is, the the dictionary says this, Anything of a comparatively light and worthless character, the refuse part of anything. In Peru, I... Uh, I like coffee as well as chocolate. Um, and uh, in Peru, we had, the, you would think they grow coffee in Peru, you'd have good coffee. But for years, I, I tried every coffee in the supermarket, and some of them I just threw out. I mean, I used them once, and I threw them out. They tasted like dirt. It was bad. I've never had, uh, this is the worst coffee I've ever had in my entire life, was in Peru. I thought, how on earth? And then after being there for many years, I think it was eight years or so, uh, I ran into a friend of mine, a Peruvian fella, and I had taken a trip down south, and I was talking with him, and, and he said, you want some coffee? I was like, oh, I love coffee. He's like, I got good coffee. I was like, oh, man, I, I'll take a cup. So he, he made me a cup of coffee, and it was good. I was like... Peruvians don't drink coffee. This guy worked with Americans, and he knew he knew American coffee, so that's he he liked it, and and he made me good coffee. I'm like, where on earth did you get this? He looked at me. He said, You don't know? I said, Apparently, I don't. He said, Man, he said, you get onto any market, and you buy green beans, and you roast it yourself. I said, You have got to be kidding me! I've lived here all this time, and I've had horrible coffee. And that's the trick. He said, I'm telling you, go down the... man, I went back from my trip. First thing I went is I went to the, I went to the market, the open-air markets. And, man, I scoured the place. I said, green coffee beans, green coffee beans. And they said, oh, down there. And I went over there and I went. I finally found me some green coffee beans. I had no idea how to roast them. And so I, I learned and I, I looked up how to roast the green coffee beans. And when you roast them, green coffee beans, especially the ones that they have, they, they, you hit a certain point and they crack. And, and once that happens, uh, there's an outer shell that kind of pops off. And so when you do that, then you have your coffee beans and, and you have what's called chaff. And so uh, the first time I did it, uh, man, I made a mess everywhere. I'm like, good night, and I tried to grind it up, and, and you didn't grind the chaff with the coffee. It was bad. And, and I finally learned uh, that you have to take that coffee outside, and you just need a slight breeze, and you pour it out and, and into another basket, from one basket to another basket, and just a slight breeze will carry all that chaff away. It'll be gone. You know what that chaff was? absolutely worthless. It's good for nothing. Matter of fact, you need it gone. Otherwise, it will mess everything up. You have got to get rid of it. And the Bible is comparing it here. He said, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. He just got through saying in verse number three that the blessed man is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of of water. Uh, You know what? Trees don't just up and move, they're there pretty permanently. They're they're stable. They are solid. But the ungodly, he says, are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away." You don't have to have a storm. You don't have to have a whirlwind to drive chaff away. You just have to have a very light breeze and it will blow it away. And what he's saying is the ungodly uh, in, in all essence are a worthless thing that will just move aside if you give them just a little bit of wind and they need to be driven out. They're not going to stand. They're not permanent. They're temporal. They're just a passing thing that won't be around even though they make themselves out like they're something. Look in verse number 5. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Listen, they're going to separate from godly people. Um, That's automatic. They're going to, in in the judgment, uh, you know, the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20, Uh, verse number 11, that uh, the great white throne and the Bible says that the heavens and earth fled away from him. Why? Because they know judgment's coming. They know that they can't stand under that judgment. They know that they're condemned. They know in their heart that they're wrong. They don't want to stand in court. They don't want to have, they don't want to face that judgment. Because they know inside themselves they're guilty, and they will not stand in judgment. The Bible says that they're not going to uh, enter into the; they're not going to be in uh, the congregation of the righteous. Hey, listen, sinners! Don't they're not flocking churches. You have to go out and drag them in, and say, Hey, why don't you come? And, and they know they need it. They know they need God. They know that they need something different in their life. But they don't want it. We don't have to lock the doors and say, well, we're limited at capacity. We can't bring anyone else in. Sorry. No, they're, they're not flocking churches. Why? Because, uh, listen, they know. That what righteousness is, they don't want it. That's what Jesus said. He said in John 3:19, "And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so he's just contrasting. Boy, that's a stark contrast to, to a blessed man. Somebody else that is temporal, they're just passing through, they're really not uh, worthwhile. They're not going to be around because they're like chaff, the Bible says, and they won't stand in judgment. They won't stay in the congregation of the righteous. But I want you to notice in verse number six, and we'll tie this up here, I want you to notice the ally of the blessed man. The Bible says, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. We'll take that second part first, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, they, the ungodly, the chaff that's going to be blown away, that can't stand in judgment, won't, won't uh, sit in the, the congregation of the righteous, their, their end of their path is destruction. That's sad. It really is. But for the righteous, for the blessed man, he says there in verse number 6 in the first part, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Sometimes in life, it's difficult to see where things are going. Sometimes you're you're like, man, I'm not for sure how this is going to end up. I don't know how this is going to turn out. But can I tell you something? If you're walking with the Lord, He does. You just hold on to His hand. And if you're walking with Him, You've got the best companion you can have. You have the best ally on your side. That's God. What a blessing. That's the blessed life. Hey, that's the people that are 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 attentive to and aware of the wickedness of the world and attentive to the word of God. And and the alternative is the ungodly person that has been described. He's like the chaff that the wind bloweth away and he won't stand in judgment. He can't sit in the congregation of the righteous. Hey, but the Lord, he's our ally. And he knows, as Job said, the Lord knows the path that I take. And when I am tried, I'll come forth as gold. Hey, praise the Lord. We're walking with the Lord. I'm not saying that everything is going to be easy. I'm not saying that the path is always going to be uh, simple and, 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 and something that is um, smooth sailing all the time. No. But we have the Lord as our ally. And what a blessing. That's the blessed life. Hey, that's what I want. I want to be with the Lord. I want my attention on the Word of God. I want Him as my ally. I want to walk with Him because, man, I need Him in my life to keep me on the straight path and keep me on the right path. The blessed life in Psalm chapter 1, I hope and pray that that's a blessing to you and encouragement as we look at the Psalms and what a, a positive Psalm it really is. That He's talking about how our life can be so good with the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet,